This is ASHA Voices. I'm J.D. Gray. Today on the podcast, it's the innovative world of mobile audiology. We'll hear from two audiologists who use their clinics on wheels to reach people who have unaddressed hearing loss and lack access to audiologists. From designing their space to finding their clients, these audiologists tell us what it's like to run a business and serve patients on the road. I'm J.D. Gray, and this is ASHA Voices. Smurfresh Voices comes from Power Diary, a complete practice management system perfect for speech, language, and hearing professionals. Head on over to www.powerdiary.com to learn more about the 100 powerful features that can benefit you and your practice. Join a live demo or start a free trial today at www.powerdiary.com. You may have read about our first guest in the pages of the ASHA Leader magazine. Brandy Smiley is the audiologist behind Onsite Audiology, a mobile clinic in Georgia with a unique appearance. Brandy joins the podcast to discuss her clinic, its intriguing design, and the inspiration behind her practice. You may be picturing a mobile clinic as something like a food truck or a vehicle parked outside of a state fair or a football game. We've seen these kinds of interactive vehicles before, but as Brandy tells us, that's not exactly what her mobile clinic looks like. It is not, and it was on purpose to create the first tiny house hearing clinic on wheels. And I'm not sure if you've followed like the whole tiny house movement, but I've always kind of been fascinated with how people could take their creativity and their vision and really create the home and the aesthetic that met what their desires were. And so it was very important for me to develop basically a physical clinic that I could mobilize and bring to patients. So that's what makes mine a little bit more unique. Give us a little bit of a tour. Tell us some of the places you drew inspiration. Take us through, you know, kind of an imaginary quick tour of your clinic. So my inspiration really was drawn from HGTV. So I don't know if you've ever watched any of those um, shows, but they would literally physically make these houses and put them on a trailer on wheels. And whoever lived in these houses could go anywhere that they wanted to go and take everything that they were living in, take it with them. And so that's really what my inspiration was, is I've always liked intimate clinics that were open and bright. And I really wanted to bring that type of aesthetic to those who were in underserved regions. With my clinic, if you can just imagine a nice small eight by 20 farmhouse on wheels. And as you kind of go to the front of it, I really wanted the on-site audiology logo to be prominent. And so I had my builder to build what I would call like almost like a jewelry showcase window. And I had a lady that I found on TikTok and she creates these, I guess you would call it like an acrylic logo sign. So I really wanted that to be built and bring out just the initial aesthetic of the clinic. Brandy's clinic features a bright orange door. It's meant to set a welcoming tone. And the clinic is ADA accessible. Brandy attaches a ramp to the entryway. So once you open it up, it's, it's quite small, but still spacious, um, very intimate, but still you don't feel cramped. The waiting area has a room to seat three or four adults on a bench and an adult or a child in a chair. Brandy says that there's storage space under the bench that she can use for books or toys for children who are waiting. The window display that Brandy mentioned, that also has storage built into it. 
She says storage space is important. Since the clinic is mobile, she wouldn't want items moving freely with the clinic. The other key feature of my tiny house clinic is it was very important for me to have a workspace and it'd be something that was multifunctional. And so I had an interior designer to build a, an L-shaped desk that would give me a lot of room to work, um, as well as be able to have um, a workspace in front of the observation window. And that's the observation window that kind of leads into my booth that was created by Echo. The booth by Echo is about a five by seven, um, almost six by eight um, on the exterior. And basically it's just your full fledged sound attenuating booth. That was very important for me because of course, with a tiny house, I may have to use an inverted generator. And so that's a very quiet generator that elicits about 57 decibels but outside it can be pretty loud. So I wanted to make sure that everything on the inside of the cabin was pretty insulated. And so the tiny house itself was built with kind of soundproofing materials, some installation, soundproofing windows, things like that. But I felt like with the sound attenuating booth by Echo, it would really kind of make um, it a true sound attenuating situation. And so the last part is just inside the booth is just making sure that it was equipped with everything that I needed to do diagnostic testing with. Wow. I just think that it's really interesting to hear you describe it because I can tell how much thought went into the design and also how much functionality that this booth has. What are the services that you're offering people once they are in this clinic? So it's very important for me to not only be strategic with design, but also be strategic in the way that I render services. And so working in educational audiology for the past 10 years, and then prior to that, working with the VA, I was very accustomed to structure. I was very accustomed to having the patients there and knowing what my schedule was. And so it was very important for me to still capture that as an entrepreneur. And so I was very strategic in developing relationships with different agencies that have the patient load that I can take the clinic to them. And so my biggest contracts are with Head Start programs in Georgia, as well as early intervention programs in Georgia. So they already have the students that need the hearing tests that are mandated by the state. And so I just take the tiny house hearing clinic to them when we have it established that we need consistent follow-up testing. And I know that I have the number of patients to see that makes the travel worthwhile with the clinic. How do they react when they see your clinic? They love it. <laughs> they love it. Not just the children, um, because it is very kind of pediatric centered. When you look on the inside, there's pictures, bright pictures of children with headphones on that have these jovial faces, but they just love seeing something nice. You know, I'm going into communities that are not necessarily used to seeing things like that. 
And to know that someone took the time to be careful with the aesthetics and to bring something functional and, you know, evidence-based and just everything that they're not necessarily used to seeing when they're getting services that are quote unquote free of charge to them, it really brings a smile and some brightness to their faces. I would have to assume it makes it an inviting atmosphere as well, and that that might relate to the next thing I wanted to ask you about, which is just, does your mobile clinic, is that increasing accessibility to hearing services in the area in which you work? It absolutely does. And so again, strategy is a big part of me transitioning from, you know, being a clinician working under someone else's company to branching out on my own. And I had to be strategic about the places that I go because you don't want to go to places that already have resources because it creates competition. And for me, you know, even though we're quote unquote competitors per se, when we're working in the same industry, to me, it doesn't have to be that way. I look at myself as a community partner. And so I wanted to look at the areas that really had either very little resources or access available or had absolutely none. And then work around those providers that were within close proximity that could perhaps do some follow-up continuity of care and work like that. Like to me, that's how we're more efficient in our industry. It's mission-driven for you as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. From reading an article you're featured in, in the Asher Leader magazine, I understand the inspiration for your mobile services came maybe nearly a decade ago during some international travel. Absolutely. And so it actually started in around 2006. I was diagnosed with stage four cancer. And this was during my fourth year residency at the VA Medical Center in D.C., and I just remember praying. I was like, Lord, if you just allow me to make it, I'll give back. I'll do all these different things. So I get healed from cancer and I didn't do mission work right away. It was almost maybe three years later um, when I moved back to Georgia and I got involved in a church here. She says that church and her interest in mission trips led her to serve as an audiologist in Serbia, which eventually led her to starting her business and traveling clinic on-site audiology. The business side is another important aspect to keeping many of these mobile clinics on the road. Not only is Brandy on the road acting as a clinician, as she mentioned earlier, but she's also an entrepreneur. It really boils down to me having a business plan in my AUD program. And of course, we all know in our AUD program, we don't get the best business classes, but I do feel like the one I had was enough to give me a start. So I brushed off that business plan and I just revisited it with, you know, having a more mature mind and having some experience um, and realized, oh my, I don't have the resources to build this clinic <laughs> of my dreams. I, you know, I had some things to invest, but I didn't have enough to build a mobile clinic. Brandy began a fundraising campaign and mentions that she once again turned to her faith. In less than a year, she raised the money to start the clinic. The personal and professional support she received comes up again at the end of our conversation when I asked Brandy if there were any lessons she's learned or things that she wanted to share. To answer your question about just kind of life lessons and I guess things that I would share with anyone that's thinking about going mobile or just going into entrepreneurship. 
understand that you are not alone. I am very just excited and I'm actually taken aback by the support from ASHA, from ADA, from different audiology groups. And realizing that even though I felt like I was in, on this little island while building, that I'm really not alone. There are people out there who want to share information and want you to be successful. And oftentimes we feel like we're just in major competition in this field, but I've really been surprised by the amount of support that I've gotten. Brandy Smiley, thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate it. Thank you. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, how do you know that there will be people to work with when you take your mobile audiology clinic to a new town? Our next guest shares what to do before starting the engine that could help to ensure a successful trip. Support for Asha Voices comes from Power Diary. Work smarter, not harder. Power Diary is the complete practice management system for speech, language, and hearing professionals. Offering more than 100 powerful features, including appointment scheduling, client messaging, SOAP notes, telehealth portal, payment integrations, and much, much more. Let Power Diary simplify and streamline your day-to-day operations so you can take care of clients, not admin. Join a live demo or start a free trial today. Learn more at www.powerdiary.com. In the first half of this episode, audiologist Brandy Smiley discussed the importance of having a plan. That's something our next guest knows well. Audiologist Brandy Murphy is the owner of West Texas Mobile Audiology, and she says she covers 70,000 square miles with her mobile clinic while delivering hearing care to those who otherwise may lack access. Because of the time-intensive travel, Brandy wants to ensure she is able to meet with patients when she parks her large mobile clinic. My mobile clinic is 28-foot car hauler that we have completely renovated into a mobile clinic. We wanted a clinic that was able to move 100% of the time because we travel long spaces. On average, I travel about two hours one way to see a patient, and I needed something that could really hold up to the travel, especially here in Texas. You know, traveling here, you know, you're out in open fields, there's 70 mile an hour roads, and so I really needed something super sturdy to hold up to the road. As the name implies, West Texas Mobile Audiology, you're in Texas, and these are long drives. You just alluded to that. Over two hours, you said, sometimes. Yes, yes. It can be a long, a long drive. Uh, What services are you providing when you arrive? Usually, I know ahead of time of what kind of services to provide. Sometimes I'll pull up to like an early intervention center and I know that I'll be seeing probably three and under the majority of my day. Other times I'll pull up to a nursing facility or assisted living and then I'll know I'll be seeing adults all day. Uh, Do diagnostic for adults and for pediatrics. Uh, Do newborn hearing screenings, auditory processing disorder, testing. Sometimes we'll provide educational services just depending if that school or that patient or provider requests additional services. We do a whole lot of different services just to offer all these patients in these areas. It's a large breadth of services, a large breadth of land to cover as well. How do you ensure that you'll have patients when you arrive? So most of the time when somebody reaches out to me, whether it's a provider or a patient themselves who saw us on social media or a direct mailer, we make the appointment 
on a minimum of two weeks out, just so that gives me enough time to contact other providers in that area and tell them, hey, we're going to be there in two weeks. We would love to see patients. If you have anybody who has a concern for hearing loss or anybody you're wanting evaluated for hearing aids, we also reach out to the pediatrics in that town. And then we have dental practices. We have shooting ranges, police academies, any kind of like early childhood intervention or foster care, uh, just reaching out to all of the facilities we can really think of providing services to in that town to really have a full schedule to kind of justify the travel. And sometimes it works out really well and we have eight people and sometimes it's just the one. (laughs) We really try to make it full. That way it's worth everybody's time and we can continue to provide services in that town. You said shooting ranges. Is that because of how loud the guns are? Yes. So we have gone to a, a few shooting ranges and just sat outside. Mostly we have just done education, handing out brochures, handing out any kind of information regarding specific rifles that people may be shooting and they don't realize how loud it is. And the nice part about our clinic is we have a 3D ear mold scanner. So if they wanted to, I could take an ear mold impression, send it off for custom hearing protection. And there's so many different custom hearing protections to choose from. I think it's really nice to make it custom because that means they're going to be that more up to wearing it in the loud situations that they're in. What has the response been? It's been pretty good. I think at first people were like, I don't know why you're here. But then after educating them, it's, I think it really opened their eyes. They're like, wow, I didn't know that my rifle or my gun was that loud. I didn't know it took one time to damage my hearing forever. I didn't know that's what's been happening for years and it's just gradually snuck up on me. And so people didn't realize what they didn't know. And so it's really nice to educate people, even if that's all I'm doing is educating all day. At least those people are going to save their hearing from now on and hopefully continue to tell other people. When you are headed to a specific town, do you do anything to market to that specific area? Marketing-wise, I'm finding it's uh, different for every single town. So some towns may be really heavy on social media. Some towns may be really heavy on postcards or personal letters or just things in the mail. Other towns may be really heavily city-oriented, so the city newspaper or the city website or just flyers at the city hall. It's really a learning curve to determine what works best in these specific towns because I could do, you know, one town and then turn around and do the next town and it's a hundred percent different. And so just learning how to market to these individual places that have so many different variations of marketing needs is definitely really exciting and challenging. And it's a bit of a learning curve, but it's actually really interesting that they are that different. You mentioned marketing through social media, and I feel like it's not uncommon to see social media accounts dedicated just to someone who's converted maybe a van or a tiny house or uh, something of that nature. And how do you 
try to present your mobile clinic? Do you take inspiration from these other tiny houses and converted cars, or do you have more of a focus on the audiology in your posts? This idea came up to me as uh, these rural areas didn't have any providers or services. And so I thought, well, how can I do this? There's so many small towns around. And actually, we were just walking through. It was kind of like a farmer's market, but it also had like boutiques there. And there was several boutiques that are in trailers. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's perfect. We could totally bring this to healthcare, And we should so we can go so many different places. Randy says she's found videos work well for social media, even better than long educational posts. She says that's a change from a couple of years ago. I asked Brandy to tell me more about what has been working. I would say patient-wise, it's nice to do Facebook. I think Facebook is huge and there's ways to target audiences and there's way to say, oh, this person went into this store. I think I need to target them for an ad for my business. And so I think that's really a nice platform to do that. As far as providers, I usually tend to target providers to educate them and help them see, hey, I'm here. I can come to your door, essentially. I can see all your patients. I can make it less of a burden for you to have to find all these different doctors, all these different towns. I'll handle the work. You just refer them to me and I'll take over. For me, to market to physicians, LinkedIn is a really good platform to find nurse practitioners and uh, directors, business managers, physicians. And so I'm finding professional-wise, LinkedIn is a really good place. And patient-wise, Facebook is a really good place. As you travel across Texas and you're talking to people who maybe don't live near an audiologist, what are you learning about how they view audiology or what kind of need for services there is out there? I think right now people are slightly confused. Wait, you're going to come to us and you're not charging a travel fee? Like like there's some gimmick. I'm like, no, no, no. I come to you and I see your patients and I'll bill insurance and take care of them. And when I see the patients, they're just like, oh my gosh, this trailer is beautiful. Oh my gosh, I can't believe you came all the way to see me. Like, thank you so much. We've been waiting to get in or we've been really wanting to do this and we just haven't done it. So I feel like, you know, in audiology, we say it's seven years roughly before someone seeks help for a problem for hearing loss. And I feel like with this offer of service of coming to you, essentially, I hope that that's going to be less significant of a gap. I'm hoping we'll lessen those years. You know, as many as possible is great. But I think the people who I've seen are just so grateful for us to be there. Let me ask you one more question. Do you have any clients or any patients that stick out as a memory? I think probably the assisted living is probably one of the biggest ones. They're so grateful for help. It's amazing. I feel bad for some of these residents because the family will take them and get them set up and moved into this facility and then they leave. And they might live several hours away or even different states away. And this resident has no car, 
no family, no friends, and there's no way for them to get to the appointment, even if they wanted an appointment. And so I think just the gratefulness of these patients that you're coming to them and they don't have to stress about how they were going to get to you and they don't have to stress about not having that service because they couldn't get to you, I think is really, really, really sweet to help these patients. Brandy Murphy, thank you so much for the conversation today. Yes, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Brandy referred to her time serving rural areas as, quote, an eye-opening experience, end quote, saying she's seen a large need for pediatric services in rural areas. She says for many kids, traveling to visit an audiologist can mean missing one or two days of school. Find more episodes about audiology, access to hearing care, and public health in the podcast archive. Want to learn more about mobile audiology? Check out the blog post for this episode. You'll find links to articles, including an article about Brandy Smiley's transition from educational audiology to mobile audiology. That's at on.ash.org slash podcast. I want to send a special thank you to Ash's Special Interest Group 8 and SIG 8 Coordinating Committee member Quentin Hecht. SIG 8 focuses on public health audiology, which Quentin says has a mission to, quote, promote, improve, and maintain public health across the lifespan through assessment, policies, and assurance related to audiology. End quote. Here's Quentin. And we do that by advancing ear, hearing, balance, and overall health care, providing that access to those who are in need of hearing health care. In October, Quentin hosted a webinar on mobile audiology as a part of SIG-8. It featured both guests you heard from today. This service delivery model provides hearing health care to people who, if not for mobile audiology services, might not have received this care at all. Or if they did, it might not have happened until much later after the time they needed the care. Providing access to care is a huge barrier to achieving healthcare equity, and mobile audiology services help break down that barrier. The webinar also featured one more guest, Marcia Hay McCutcheon, a researcher who's using a mobile clinic to research the use of over-the-counter hearing aids in Alabama. We'll hear from Marcia next week in a bonus episode of the podcast. Look for that in the podcast feed or online at on.ash.org podcast. Learn more about SIG-8 and the resources and publications they produce by visiting their page on asha.org. ASHA Voices is produced by the American Speech-Language Hearing Association and comes from the team behind the ASHA Leader magazine. Support for ASHA Voices comes from Power Diary, the complete practice management solution. Join the demo today for a complete overview of the system and how it can benefit you and your practice. Visit www.powerdiary.com and click Demo from the main navigation. Thanks for listening. I'm J.D. Gray, and this is ASHA Voices.